Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I am your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And Father and I want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's exciting topic, exciting Exciting. episode of Ignition, uh, we want to remind you that... um, Seriously, I say this almost every episode, I think, but we do love listening. I'm serious feedback. about this. I mean it. <laughs> so if you have a question about anything we say uh, that we um, that you don't understand, which Especially never things Doctor Bergwald says. Oh please. Um, and what else? Oh, if you've got ideas for future episodes, email me. Email us. Email Father Dickinson, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet us, sfdiocese, use the hashtag ignition. So, Father, um, one of the things that we, you and I have uh, a couple standing um, series of, that, we, that we do as part of ignition, um, one on sort of what is man, theological anthropology is the the, the technical term, but we've got, we've been doing another one uh, more recently as well on the books of the Bible, particularly where we, where we began with the new Testament and we've done all four gospels. Woo! Yay! Would you say we're like a farmer in this way? I have no, see, <laughs> please I, I get in the email. If you don't understand father's obscure references, ignition, uh, what do you mean a farmer? Outstanding in our field. <gasps> Yes, we are like farmers. So um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what the heck is going on? What's next? The Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles. So uh, we are going to today talk about uh, the the book, Acts of the Apostles, which is really volume two to one of the Gospels, as as I'm guessing many of our listeners know. The sequel. (laughs) The exciting sequel. Never mind. Gospel of Luke, the sequel. Part two. Do you? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the Acts of the Apostles, Deuce. if you read the beginning, and maybe you forgot this, but if you read the beginning, um, uh, St. Luke, the author, very quickly points out, you know, in, in my first book, Theophilus, Theophilus is the person that he was writing to in the first the, the, the first book, which is the Gospel of Luke, and right. now he's writing the second book. Right, beginning of Luke, chapter one, verse one, beginning of Acts of the Apostles, chapter one, verse one, most excellent Theophilus, he's talking to him and... So he, in Luke, he's going to set down what others have told you. I'm going to set down in an ordered fashion. And then the Acts of the Apostles, you heard about what Jesus began to do. Now you're going to hear the rest of the story. The rest of the story. <laughs> Very nice. Huh? So huh? we should point out, too, you know, talking about being written by um, St. Luke. And, and if you go back and listen to the episode in which we talked about the Gospel of Luke, like most of the Gospels, it doesn't say, like all the Gospels, Acts of the Apostles does not say, Hi, I wrote this. Yeah. Signed, all royalties signed come. Signed Luke. <laughs> yeah, all right. Love um, Luke. It, it, Luke never identifies himself as the author, but we, we know from early church father's testimony, other ways that, that he is the author. It, we have, generally speaking, certitude that he was the author of this text. Right. I think a very reasonable certitude. You know, as you said, uh, the early church fathers talking about it with uh, great, uh, with great, with great certainty, unanimity. There's no second guessing of that. Um, we know that um, uh, Luke is mentioned uh, in uh, the Acts of the Apostles as one of the followers of um, of uh, St. Paul. Paul and traveling with him on some of these things. So the idea they would have firsthand account 
Um, and then also the whole idea of like the thematic similarities to yep. it. Yep. You know, just like a Christopher Nolan film has the same kind of touches in it and sometimes the same actors um, over and over again. But uh, so in the Gospel of Luke, he has some of those same things, you know, the, the concern for the sick right. that really exemplifies Luke's gospel is again found in the Acts of the Apostles. And that goes back to something that we've talked about uh, before uh, with the Gospels and more generally, the human authorship mm-hmm. of the texts of Scripture. I mean, right. we, yes, we believe they're inspired by God and infallible and errant as such, but God uses the truly human. So the, the, the human right, Luke was truly an author um, and, and therefore their stylistic dimensions come through. I'll give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, I, um, I I pitched hit for somebody as a lector at Mass on Sunday. And say, it was, I think Ephesians, we're reading Ephesians on Sundays, yes. right? Yeah. My, I, I said to my pastor, Father, look, the Lord inspires run-on sentences. Yes. My goodness, the, 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 the whole reading, yes, there was a semicolon, but the whole second reading at Mass, I think this was the 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time, the whole second reading was one sentence. Yep. One sentence. That's Ephesians. That's Paul. Yep. Um, so anyway. yeah, well, it's a lot of Paul's writing is very run on. So way. he's got that style and that comes through in his deck. Luke has this style, as you mentioned, the example concern for the sick that come, which comes because we, we are standing, he was a, he was a doctor, a physician. So it makes sense that that personal touch would come through. Can I, Please. Yeah, no, no. Or, I, yeah. It was, it was a personal t- when, when, uh, when I defended my thesis and, uh, at seminary, my, uh, thesis, uh, supervisor, uh, Dr. Sean Innerst, yeah. uh, he said, well, you write like you talk, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> I still don't quite know what, what to make mean? of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it, in this case, what is it? No, it's nice. You write like you talk. Yep. So, uh, right. so I'm sure your. I don't your think thesis, I said dude once in the I'm, paper. I'm sure your thesis was inspired and yet human touch came through. Yeah, I don't know about inspired. Uh, okay. But, yeah. All right. So, uh, so authorship probably Luke. Yep. Um, certainly the second volume. Most certainly Luke. Of, okay, and, and the second volume of 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 the which began with the book of the Gospels, and then in terms of when he wrote this, again nothing hinging on our salvation here, but but um, right. important to think about. Um, probably uh, around the year or by the year sixty three A.D. Uh, and why might I say that, Father? Well, how do we know that he wrote it probably in the early sixties? Any idea? Carbon dating? Carbon testing the original. No. 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 Uh, well, you, you had talked about a couple of great things. Like uh, he doesn't mention certain things that would be uh, monumental landmark yeah. things. That would be like, why in the world didn't you mention these yeah, things? Yeah, it's things he doesn't say more than what he does say that leads right. us to that. Right. So, I mean, like no one ever talked about September 11th before September 11th, 2001. Right. Because right. it hadn't happened and hadn't even dawned in the hearts, well, aside from a few... Uh, murderous uh, terrorist, but it hadn't really done in the thoughts of the hearts of men. And so, like you mentioned, so he makes no mention to Peter and Paul's martyrdom. Right. And they're the main characters of the Acts right. of the Apostles. Right. You know, Peter in the first half, Paul in the second half. No mention of their death. No mention of the destruction of Jerusalem around 70 AD. Yep. We got a really solid date on that from multiple sources. Yep. Going uh, back even to, you know, with Peter and Paul's martyrdom, that, which was the, the outcome of this fire that Nero probably sent to. Sorry, that Nero probably started to do some urban planning, if yeah. you will, in the city of Rome, pinned it on the Christians when people got upset. No mention of that in the book of the Acts, in book of Acts. Right. And then no, yeah, yeah. So no mention of those things. So we're pretty sure it was written. There. Now, the remarkable thing about any of these books of scriptures is that no one ever says, oh, yeah, yeah, the scriptures, they were written in like 200 AD. Right, right. 
Right. And we all know that the authentic scriptures were all written uh, like within, the, certainly in that last half of the first century, sometimes even before the last half. Of the Why is that important? Because that's when Jesus actually lived and it's closer to the reality of what he did. It's within a lifetime of, of the actual, of, of Jesus's lifetime. So, you know, it, it's, it, it helps establish the historical credibility of these texts. Right. Um, now, it's important to note there are a lot of things in history, secular history. Um, we accept uh, the testimony. Um, we accept the historicity of documents that were written centuries later. Correct. So it's not as it say, pretend for a moment that. Uh, the, the 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 documents of the New Testament hadn't been written till 200. That doesn't necessarily mean that they'd be false or erroneous, right. but this enhances their credibility. Exactly, exactly. So, so okay. So uh, looked at the authorship, uh, looked at the date, a little bit about maybe the structure of Acts. Well, it's written on paper, I believe, with uh, uh, papyrus in Koine Greek. Koine, what the heck is Koine Greek? <laughs> Koine, thanks for uh, jumping down this rabbit hole with me. I didn't think you were going to take the bait. Well, you you brought up this obscure term. Again, ignitionsfcatholic.org with questions. Yes, for Dr. Bergwald. <laughs> Koine Greek refers to a certain time of uh, Greek writing around the time of the New Testament. And so other things are written in this style as well. Other documents, non-Christian letters are written this. There's ancient Greek, which is like the writings of uh, Plato and Aristotle. Attic Greek, isn't that? Attic Greek would yeah, be the, yeah, yeah, the, the, the yeah. thank you very much. Uh, and then there's modern Greek today, yeah. which is worthless. Get it? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Kidding. No, I'm just that's that's the Greek drach, drachma. What? What's yes, it? yes, drachma. Drachma. Anyway, no, I'm sorry. And for any, uh, we just ate kind of. We ate Mediterranean for lunch, and so we we did. We love the Greek right. people and their yes. culture and their food. And Digger, digging deeper. Let's get, move on. Moving on. <laughs> You're the one that said to go down. That what road. about Koine Greek, though? Is there anything else to say? Well, about no. That? You, I was just joking about the structure of the Acts of the Apostles, is that it's written on paper with ink yeah, in, or papyrus in, in, in Koine Greek, in Koine which Greek. means interestingly, if one, no space, all capital letters, no spaces between words. Right, right. Well, just like well, Hebrew is even crazier than that. Well, we think it's crazy. Yeah, we, that, yeah. To us, it would be. I mean, at least they have vowels in Greek. Right, but with the whole, okay, this is quite the rabbit hole. You couldn't. You you didn't just go down to to the the uh, the convenience store and pick up a ream of five hundred pieces of paper or right. a notebook. I mean, paper papyrus was not that easy to come by, and so you've got to use every space you possibly can. Right. So they wrote without spaces, no spaces. and it's also because the written word was to serve the spoken, spoken word, word in yes. community. Yes. Uh, yes. Not just for the Christians, but for all in that way. So it was a, the, the text was a reminder of the speaking. So the speaking is really the foundation and the written text was more the reminder. Whereas now it feels to us more like the written text yep. is the reminder, is yep. the primacy and the, the spoken text is the yeah. reminder. So the, the orality of culture, even with the written word, was still predominant. Okay, you, you like me that, for right? coin <laughs> uh, so, so Dr. Bergwald, what does orality mean? <laughs> Let's talk about the structure of Acts of the Apostles. How about that? Dodge. Nice. Not just a car. It's the tactic of Dr. Bergwald. Dodging questions. Well, no, we can't spend time talking. Never mind. No, we can't spend time talking about the or what orality means <laughs> when we've got the inspired word of God to talk about. So uh, 
we have a preface. You brought it up. With. I know I did, but you brought up Koine, and I like okay. anyway. Point prep. We, the, Acts is broken up into. And again, we've talked about this before with the other books. Our salvation does not hinge on these no. questions, but no. just to, to understand the book. And the sacred scholars. author didn't say this is the preface. Yes, the exactly. sacred author. And again, again, I love pointing this out. The sacred author didn't even say these are chapters. These are verses. I know those yeah. are added in later. He just wrote this. By the way, I think it, it's it, it's interesting from time to time. Maybe something worth doing is to read. Uh, a book of the Bible without chapter and verse. Well, it's hard to find one printed that way, though. Go online, remove it. Come on, technology. Hello. Actually, I just uh, I met a priest at a seminary, and he gave me uh, a couple word docs of scriptures. I think it's his own translation of oh. uh, um, of the four gospels without chapter or verses. There you go. And so I haven't got a chance to print them out and pray with them, but I'm really looking forward to that. But it can be illuminating because we just, you know, when we just read, we sort of stop at the right. end of, it was especially in modern translations, it's got the little stories and subheadings the and pericopes, so on. The pericopes, these paragraphs and things like that, but just to read it. Without paying attention. Without that, a gloss. That's how it was, without gloss, exactly. As a reference to St. Francis of Assisi, for those of you that may be scoring saint references at home. So having said that, though, most scholars do, and our Bibles do have not only chapter and verse, but also usually the pericope headings, the subtitles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Correct, correct. So, so what, what is sort of the, the general structure of the book of Acts? Well, as you point out, there's that preface, there's beginning just kind of setting the table, talking to Theophilus, uh, chapter one, verses one to five. And then we have from the Ascension to Pentecost. So he covers the Ascension in Luke's gospel, but he covers it again in the Acts. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, to me, I was, I, I, in fact, I was just about to turn back. Is the ascension in the gospel? But I it is. I think so. I mean, well, it's, it's definitely in Matthew uh, and in Mark, and it's it's not in John explicitly, but isn't it in? It Luke? is. Yeah, it is at the very end, the last couple of yes. verses. Yep. So, so, so he sort of repeats, picking off previously on Luke. previously in the life of Jesus. <laughs> well, no, it's not about Luke. It's about Jesus. That's why he doesn't care about his name being on it. A fine, most excellent Theophilus. So, uh, so that goes through Pentecost, which is then around like uh, from where we left off into chapter two. And then after Pentecost, immediately into the proclamation of the gospel in Jerusalem. And then from there, the proclamation of the gospel in Judea and Samaria. Judea is the land around Jerusalem. Samaria is the northern part of what was uh, Davidic Israel. Right. right. South and, of, yet south of Galilee, which is where Nazareth was. Right. Right. Uh, and then from there, going to the ends of the earth. So you sort of see the way that Luke writes, and this is obviously ref reflecting what happened. Right. The gospel begins, it's spread in the city of Jerusalem itself, then the larger area of Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Right. Reflecting what? Why, why do they go to the ends of the earth? Well, it's cool because he, good question, Dr. Bergwald. Thanks, Father. Um, I got ahead of myself and I'm excited. Uh, this is actually Jesus's own directions from uh, the beginning of Acts of the Apostles, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. How about that? And lo and behold, <laughs> that's, what, that's what they do. And so when you think about the structure of the Acts of the Apostles, it's in a sense this travelogue. Yeah. It's this it's this journey of the gospel message uh uh, solidified, confirmed at Pentecost, confirmed in the hearts uh, of the apostles and the other disciples at the Pentecost experience, and then preached and spread uh, throughout Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Yep. So, so they they did what he said. Right. They they, 
they have this, uh, the, well, yeah. And, and I mean, and you can go through and you can look and you can highlight like different aspects when you read through it. So of course, you know, the, there's Peter's uh, preaching at Pentecost and the conversion of the, is it 3000 uh, who are converted? Uh, yeah. 3000 who are converted at his preaching on the day of Pentecost. Right. You know, and so, okay, that's the beginning of the Jerusalem preaching. And then there's Judea and Samaria, you know, and the preaching that goes on there and uh, the great story of Philip. Yeah. You know, yeah. Do you remember the story of Philip? So, I, yeah, fascinating. First of all, one of the things that just, this is Philip the deacon, not right. Philip the apostle, because right. there was a Philip the apostle. But but that was one of the, I mean, for me, frankly, and just to recently. Okay, I did thinking, not know that. Which is it? But yeah, it's. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, really? it's, it's, yeah. Okay, keep telling me. But I'm going to educate myself I love, as you tell me. I, I, I love, especially, I mean, Philip goes, is sent all sorts of places, and then he oftentimes calls people, and, and he's snatched up by the spirit, so which presumably means like literally he would disappear in front of people and be taken somewhere. But the, 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 the story that, that Luke tells us uh, in most detail is with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, um, this court right. official uh, for the, the, the queen of Ethiopia. Um, he's, 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 he's leaving Jerusalem, journeying south, journeying home. So obviously somebody who's friendly to Judaism, but wasn't necessarily, he's a God-fearer, right. not formally a Jew. Right. And this, 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 this encounter where Philip comes in and, and the, the, the eunuch is reading, the Ethiopian is reading um, Isaiah, uh, and Philip's, can you, you, what are you reading? Well, I'm reading this, but not understanding it. I'm not reading from the text. Right. But, but Philip explains to him what it says, and, and, and immediately there's water there. Can I be baptized? And he's baptized, and then Philip is snatched away this, by the Spirit, and now the, the, the Ethiopian continues on home, now a newly baptized Christian. And the Ethiopian Christians are one of the oldest Christian communities on the face of the earth, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, that, that I, I love for all sorts of reasons, um, what goes on with, because it's, you know, Philip sort of just appears, not, not just briefly in the middle of, well, sort of the first third of Acts or so, right. uh, and then disappears. And we don't really hear much more from him, but that's what he did. <laughs> he did. Because then, well, because part of that, I mean, I'm assuming that maybe his ministry stayed in the Judean Samarian area. Sure. Because then we move on with, Paul coming on the scene and with the mandate uh, uh, given to Peter to first baptize Cornelius, uh, the first Gentile convert. Uh, well, I guess I actually, whoa, 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 wait a moment. Because the Ethiopian was a Gentile. He was a God fearer, but he wasn't a descendant of Abraham. Right. So I've always thought, wow, we're just discovering things left. Yeah, we, and how right. about that? <laughs> wow. All right. Fist bump. Boom. All right. Um, but uh, so usually they talk about the Cornelius's household in Acts chapter ten, which has one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. By the way, what is it? Rise, Peter, slaughter and eat. What God has declared clean, man shall not declare unclean. So why do you like that so much? Bacon, <laughs> right? Because it, without, because uh, with, because otherwise we would still live under the uh, uh, dietary yeah. restrictions yeah. of the Old Testament. Absolutely. But God yep. told uh, uh, Peter no. Yep. So, anyways. So the, the mission to the ends of the earth culminated, of course, in Paul and Paul's great missionary activity. And even to the point where Paul, uh, you know, the end of the Acts of the Apostles is Paul going to where? Spain. Nope. Yes. Nope. Well, he wanted to go to Spain. He wanted to go to Spain. But where did he go instead? Rome. Why? I don't know. Wasn't he arrested? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. He, because he appealed. Right. As he a Roman citizen. As a Roman citizen. Yes. Right to he, the Supreme Court. It's, it, he could have... Probably gotten, uh, he probably could have been released and gotten, but he said, no, I want to, I want my yeah. co- case to be heard by Caesar. Which ties into a point we're going to make it later. Okay. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, you know, this point. <sighs> okay. but, um, 
I see what you did. So I, I, but what, so one thing, so we get Paul's conversion story in Acts chapter nine, but really still sort of chapters one through 12 is still pretty Peter centric. And pretty Judea, Samaria yeah, yeah. centric. And now we start to go to the ends, ends of, the of the earth. Right. And so it transitions from Peter sort of the, the, the primary uh, protagonist. Right. To Paul. To Paul. Yep. So. And, and of course, then going to, because if you go to Rome, you can go anywhere from Rome and, and everything that's in Rome goes everywhere else. And so you get a convert in Rome who's there for all, but then they go off on a mission to Egypt or they go off on a mission to right. the Gauls or they go off on a mission to Spain or right. whatever it might be. Right. Then you're spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. You know, I, question for you. And, it's and, like a hub. Uh, it, really? <laughs> I don't know the answer to this question. I don't know if you do, but we, it's fine when we you both can't get a direct flight acknowledge from Jerusalem. our ignorance. Do we know who first brought the gospel to Rome? I don't know if we do. Because it wasn't, I mean, Paul writes to the Romans about looking forward to coming to see them. But is after after he's already been there before? Uh, he, he, there's only one visit. Okay. Which is the last visit. Uh, yeah, one and only. And yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, I don't, so well, obviously it wasn't Paul. Was it Paul? Um, it may have been Peter, but because he be, he was bishop of Rome. Peter went obviously. there. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but was he the first to proclaim the good news? Because usually the way it spread, we see this in Paul. He first goes to the synagogue. Even right. even when he's begun the mission to the Gentiles, he always begins by going to the local synagogue, and if they went and and then usually goes out to the Gentiles from there. Um, I don't know. So, so presumably it would have followed the same. We don't, uh, we don't know. We don't I, know. I, don't know. I don't know. I do not know. So anything else structurally speaking, Father, before we get into some of the themes in the last five minutes or so? No, not that I can think of. So what are the themes we want to discuss in the last five minutes? That's a good question. Um, well, I think one theme, you know, I, we, we, we just passed but like the theological meaning of history. And you know, we uh, talked about that with Paul ending up in Rome. I mean, he's, you know, he takes advantage of this opportunity. Oh, I can make this appeal to Rome, to the emperor, to be tried by the emperor. So throughout the Acts of the Apostles, there's these providential things that keep happening. Yep. You know, it's the right thing at the right time. Even Paul's conversion, you know, how does it start? Well, he hears Stephen preaching. He's not converted by the preaching, but he's affected and the seeds are planted in right. some way, you know, by the because even he looks on at Stephen's martyrdom, you know, consenting to it. Right. You know, formal cooperation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moral theology. Moral theology. Uh, so formal cooperation in that way. Um, so that's uh, one, just that idea of things working out. Does that make sense? Yeah. So uh, God's providential plan. I mean, whatever we do, good or bad, God already knows and it's 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 part of his plan. Mm -hmm. So all things, mm -hmm. ultimately, there's nothing we can do to foil his plan because everything we do is part of his plan. Well, I mean, more or less. Well, I mean, even the evil that we do is still he 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 knows we're going to do it and right. he's planned accordingly. Right, right. Well, I, mean, I just we could get into a whole messy uh, conversation there about double predestination, but that'd be for a different that'd be a different of ignition. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I yeah, but I think yeah, you're right. The theological meaning of history that right. we see. Why did Jesus come when he did? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Who is the Lord of history? Exactly. Jesus Christ, yep. right? Amen. And in history, can't change things out of His grip either, you know. So not only in the sense of like entrusting ourselves today, and like even just our daily happenings, like you know, when you pray your daily offering in the morning, you know, Jesus, I accept whatever you want to have happen today. Right. If something happens that you don't like, 
all right, Jesus, I accept this as something coming from you today. Yep. Um, but in the same way too, that like history can't push things out of God's reach. Yep. Just, you know, we talk about the movement of history and the right or the wrong side of history or things like that these days. History can't push things beyond the reach yep. of God. Amen. Yep. So uh, any other themes to talk about? We got time. Yes. There's one that I love to talk about, and that's about how like the power of Jesus, the dynamism of Jesus lives on in his apostles and in the corporate church. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So what, what, looking at Acts, like what comes to mind that way? Well, first of all, just like the very beginning, Acts chapter 1, when it says, uh, we told you, told you all that Jesus began to do, which implies in some sense that this is still gone going. Yeah, not, we told you all that Jesus did. Right. He began, yeah, as you just said, implying ongoing. Right, and ongoing, not just in the Acts of the Apostles, but even now, Theophilus, in your own life and listeners in your own life, this is the same Jesus Christ working in your life that worked in uh, Gazareth and Nalian, Gazareth? Gaz- Gazareth. Gazareth. Galilee and Nazareth and died on the cross of Calvary. Amen. And rose from the tomb by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we see that like really in fun ways, like in the story of the beautiful gate, Acts chapter three, right? Which is the great story of uh, uh, Peter and John going to the temple and pray. And there's a, a crippled man there begging and uh, 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 says, you know, hey, you know, and Peter's like, look at me. Yeah. You know, it's like this utter yes. confidence, you know, Peter, the chicken, uh, Peter, the scaredy cat, look at yes. me, you know, and then, uh, what does he say, uh, to, to the blind man? And so the, so, uh, so he says, look at us, uh, and, us. and he, he, the, 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 the layman, he fixes attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but I give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Right. It's boom. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his hands and ankle, feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping, and he stood and goes, "I love, yeah, I'm yeah. with you. I love that scene." Because that's very because you know I don't have so I don't have material power. I don't have anything, but what I do have is the name of Jesus, which is something even better than what this world can give. And in the name of Jesus, I tell you, rise. And yeah, walk. and and so that's where you know. So he's and going back, you know, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him. Other translations, uh. Peter looked intently at him with John and, and said, look at us. Right. And it's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. We can see that in, in the miracles of uh, the Acts of the Apostles in many different ways um, in that regard, just of, of Jesus's power living on. Uh, so that's something that we need to uh, keep in mind when we're living our Christian life is we're, we're called to keep on uh, moving on in the power and the life of Jesus yep. Of bringing mercy and grace and healing and blessing to others, not just to ourselves. This isn't just me and Jesus here. It's Jesus in me for the sake of others, yep. and Jesus in you for the sake of others. It's become almost cliched, you know, we are the hands and feet of Christ, but it's true. Right. We are the body of Christ. Um, and, and so we are the means by which, animated by the Spirit, He is working in the world today. He does work directly, but He also works through us. Right. He chooses to work through us. He he elevates us by choosing us to be the vessels of his operation. And that which is amazing to think about that he chooses us for that. Right, right. Yeah. He involves us in the work of salvation for the whole world. Right, which is a great gift to us and one that we should not uh, in any way ever turn down. Amen. Read Acts. That's the short version. <laughs> and that'll wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet to us at sfdiocese. Use the hashtag Ignition with any thoughts, questions, or topics for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.